never tell me. I take in much too unkindly that thou, Iago, who hast had my purse as if the strings were thine, shouldst know of this. Splod, but you will not hear me. If ever I did dream of such a matter, abhor me. Thou toldst me thou didst hold him in thy head. Despise me if I do not. Three great ones of this city, in personal suit to make me his lieutenant, off kept to him. And by the fate of man I know my price. I am worth no worse a place. But he, as loving his own pride and purposes, evades them. With a bombast circumstance horribly stuffed with epithets of war and in conclusion... None suits my mediators. For certainty, says he, I have already chose my officer. And what was he? Hmm? Forsooth, a great arithmetician. One Michael Cassio, a Florentine. A fellow almost damned in a fair wife. That never set a squadron in the field, nor the division of a battle knows more than a spinster. Unless the bookish theoric wherein the Togit consuls can propose as masterly as he. Mere prattle without practice is all his soldiership. But he, sir, had the election, and I, of whom his eyes had seen the proof at Rhodes, at Cyprus, and on other grounds, Christian and heathen, must be believed and called by debtor and creditor. This, this counter-caster, he, in good time, must his lieutenant be, and I... God bless him, Mark. Moorship's ancient. By heaven. I rather would have been his hangman. Why, there's no remedy. It is the curse of service. Preferment goes by letter and affection, and not by old gradation, where each second stood there to the first. Now, sir, be judge yourself, whether I, in any just term, I am a fine to love the moon. I will not follow him, then. Oh, sir, content you. I follow him to serve my turn upon him. We cannot all be masters, nor all masters cannot be truly followed. You shall mark many a duteous and knee-crooking knave that, doting on his own obsequious bondage, wears out his time, much like his master's ass, for naught but provender. And when he's old, Quit me such honest knaves. Others there are who, trimmed in forms and visages of duty, keep yet their hearts attending on themselves, and throwing but shows of service on their lords, do well thrive by them, and when they have lined their coats, do themselves homage. These fellows have some soul, and such a one do I profess myself. For, sir, it is as sure as you are Rodrigo, were I the more, I would not be Iago. In following him, I follow but myself. Heaven is my judge, not I for love and duty, but seeming so for my peculiar end. For when my outward action doth demonstrate the native act and figure of my heart, in compliment external, it is not long after, but I will wear my heart upon my sleeve for daws to peck at. I am not what I am. What a full fortune does the thick lips owe if he can carry it thus. Call up her father, rouse him, make after him, poison his delight, proclaim him in the streets, incense her kinsmen, 
and though he in a fertile climate dwell, plague him with flies. Though that his joy be joy, yet throw such changes of vexation on't as it may lose some color. Well, here is her father's house. I'll call him out. Do, and with like timorous accent and dire yell, as when, by night and negligence, the fire is spied in populous cities. What ho? Brabantio! Signor Brabantio, ho! Awake! What ho, Brabantio! Thieves! 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 Look to your house, your daughter, and your bags! Thieves! Thieves! What is the meaning of this terrible summons? What is the matter there? Signor, is all your family within? Are your doors locked? What? Wherefore ask you this? Soon, sir, you are robbed. For shame, put on your gown. Your heart is burst, you have lost half your soul. Even now, now, very now, an old black ram is topping your white you. Arise, arise! Awake the snorting citizens with the bell, or, or else the devil will make a grandsire of you. Arise, I say! What, have you lost your wits? Most revered, senor, do you know my voice? But I? What are you? My name is Rodrigo. The worser welcome. I have charged thee not to haunt about my doors. In honest plainness, thou hast heard me say my daughter is not for thee. But now in madness, being full of supper and discovering drafts, upon malicious bravery dost thou come to start my quiet. Sir. But thou must needs be sure my spirit and my place have it and power to make this bitter to thee. Patience, good sir. What tellst thou me of robbing? This is Venice. My house is not a grange. Most grave Brabantio. In simple and pure soul I come to you. So, sir, you are one of those that will not serve God if the devil bid you. Because we come to do you service, and you think we are ruffians, you'll have your daughter covered with a Barbary horse. You'll have your nephews, nay to you. You'll have corsairs for cousins and genets for Germans. What profane wretch art thou? I am one, sir, that comes to tell you your daughter and the moor are now making the uh, beast with two bags. Thou art a villain. Well, you are a senator. <laughs> this thou shalt answer. I know thee, Rodrigo. Sir, I will answer anything. But I beseech you, if it be your pleasure and wise consent, as partly I find it is, that your fair daughter at this odd and even dull wash of night, transported with no worse nor better guard than with a knave of common hire, a gondolier, to the gross clasps of a lascivious moor. If this be known to you and your allowance, we then have done you bold and saucy wrongs. And if you know not this, my manners tell me we have your wrong review. And do not believe, from the sense of all civility, I thus would play and trifle with your reverence. Your daughter, if you have not given her leave, I say again, hath made a gross revolt, tying her duty, beauty, wit, and fortunes in an extravagant wheeling stranger of here and everywhere. Straight satisfy yourself. If she be in your chamber or your house, let's loose on me the justice of states for thus deluding me. But I swear I am not. I must leave you. It seems not meet nor wholesome to my place to be produced, as if I stay a shell, against the moor. For I do know this state, however this may gall him with some check, cannot with safety cast him. For he's embarked with such loud reason to the Cyprus wars, which even now stand in act that 
or their souls another of his fathom they have none to lead their business. In which regard, though I do hate him as I do hell pains, yet for necessity of present life I must show out a flag and sign of love, which is indeed but sign. That you shall surely find him lead to the Sagittary the raised search, and there will I be with him. So, farewell. It is too true, evil. Gone she is. And what's to come of my despised time is naught but bitterness. Now, Roderigo, where didst thou see her? Oh, unhappy girl, what the more sayst thou? Oh, would be father, how didst thou know it was she? Oh, she deceives me past thought. What said she to you? Get more tapers, raise all my kindred. Are they married, think you? Truly, I think they are. Oh, heaven, how got she out? Treason of the blood! Fathers, from hence, trust not your daughters' minds by what you see them act. Is there not charms by which the property of youth and maidhood be abused? Have you not read Rodrigo of some such thing? Yes, sir, I have indeed. Call up my brother! Oh, would you had had her? Some one way, some another! Do you know where we may apprehend her and the more? I think I can discover him. If you please to get good guard and go with me. Pray you, lead on. At every house I'll call, I may command at most. Get weapons, ho! And raise some special officer tonight. On, good Roderigo. I'll deserve your pains. Though in the trade of war I have slain men... Yet do I hold it very stuff of the conscience to do no contrived murder. I lack iniquity sometimes to do me service. Nine or ten times I had thought to have yerked him here under the ribs. Mm, Tis better as it is. Nay, but he prated and spoke such scurvy and provoking terms against your honor that, with the little godliness I have, I did full hard forbear him. But I, I pray you, sir, are you fast married? Be assured of this, that the Magnifico is much beloved, and hath in his effect a voice potential as double as the Duke's. He will divorce you, or put upon you what restraint and grievance the law, with all his might to enforce it on, will give him cable. Let him do his spite. My services, which I have done the Signore, shall out-tongue his complaints. Tis yet to know, which, when I know that boasting is an honor, I shall promulgate, I fetch my life and being from men of royal siege, and my demerits may speak unbonneted to as proud a fortune as this that I have reached. For know, Iago, but that I love the gentle Desdemona. I would not my unhoused free condition put into circumscription and confine for the sea's worth. But look, what lights come yond? Those are the raised father and his friends. You were best going. Not I. I must be found. My part, my title, and my perfect soul shall manifest me rightly. Is it they? By Jonas, I think no. The servants of the Duke and my lieutenant. The goodness of the night upon you, friends. What is the news? The Duke does greet you, General, and he requires your haste post-haste appearance, even on the instant. What is the matter, think you? Something from Cyprus, as I may divine. It is a business of some heat. The galleys have sent a dozen secret messengers this very night at one another's heels, and many of the consuls raised and met are at the Duke's already. You have been hotly called for, when 
Being not at your lodging to be found, the Senate hath sent about three several guests to search you out. Tis well I am found by you. I will but spend a word here in the house and go with you. Ancient, what makes he here? Faith, he tonight hath boarded a land carrick, and if it prove lawful prize, he's made forever. I do not understand. He's married. To who? Married to... Uh, oh, uh, come, Captain, uh, will you go? Have with you. Here comes another troop to seek for you. It is Brabantio. General, be advised. He comes to bed in tent. Hala, stand there. Signor, it is the Moor. Down with him, thief! You, Rodrigo! Come, sir, I am for you. Keep up your bright swords, for the dew will rust them. Good Signor, you shall more command with years than with your weapons. Oh, thou foul thief! Where hast thou stowed my daughter? Damned as thou art, thou hast enchanted her! For I'll refer me to all things of sense if she in chains of magic were not bound. Whether a maid so tender, fair, and happy, so opposite to marriage, that she shunned the wealthy curled darlings of our nation, would ever have to incur a general mock, run from her garden to the sunny bosom of such a thing as thou, to fear not a delight. Judge me the world if tis not gross in sense that thou hast practiced on her with foul charms, abused her delicate youth with drugs or minerals that weaken motion. I'll have disputed on. Is probable and palpable to thinking. I therefore apprehend and do attach thee for an abuser of the world, a practicer of arts inhibited out of warrant. Lay hold upon him. If he do resist, subdue him at his peril. Hold your hands, both you of my inclining. And the rest, were it my cue to fight, I should have known it without a prompter. Where will you that I go to answer this, your charge? To prison. Till fit time of law and course of direct session, call thee to answer. What if I do obey? How may the Duke be therewith satisfied, whose messengers are here about my side upon some present business of the state to bring me to him? Tis true, most worthy signor. The Duke's in council, and your noble self, I am sure, is sent for. Oh, the Duke in council? In this time of the night? Bring away. Mine's not an idle cause. The Duke himself, or any of my brothers of the state, cannot but feel this wrong as twere their own. For if such actions may have passage free, bond slaves and pagans shall our statesmen be. There is no composition in these news that gives them credit. Indeed, they are disproportioned. My letters say a hundred and seven galleys. And mine, a hundred and forty. And mine, two hundred. But though they jump not on a just account, as in these cases where the aim reports tis oft with difference, yet do they all confirm a Turkish fleet and bearing up to Cyprus. Nay, it is possible enough to judgment. I do not so secure me in the error, but the main article I do approve in fearful sense. Ho! A messenger from the galleys. Now, what's the business? The Turkish preparation makes for roads. So was I bid report here to the state by Signor Angelo. How say you by this change? This cannot be, by no assay of reason. Tis a pageant to keep us in false gaze. When we consider the importancy of Cyprus to the Turk, and let ourselves again but understand that as it more concerns the Turk than Rhodes, so may he with more facile question bear it, for that it stands not in such warlike brace, but altogether lacks the abilities that Rhodes is dressed in. If we make thought of this, we must not think the Turk is so unskillful to leave that latest which concerns him first, 
neglecting an attempt of ease and gain, to wake and wade to danger profitless. Nay, in all confidence he's not for rogues. Here's more news. The Ottomites, reverend and gracious, steering with due course towards the Isle of Rhodes, have there enjointed them with an afterfleet. Aye, so I thought. How many, as you guess? Of thirty sail. And now they do restem their backward course, bearing with frank appearance their purposes towards Cyprus. Signor Montano, your trusty and most valiant servitor, with his free duty recommends you thus, and prays you to believe him. Tis certain, then, for Cyprus. Marcus Lucicos, is not he in town? He's now in Florence. Write from us to him. Post, post, haste, dispatch. Ah, here comes Brabantio and the valiant Moor. Valiant Othello, we must straight employ you against the general enemy Ottoman. I did not see you. Welcome, gentle senor. We lacked your counsel and your help tonight. So did I yours. Would your grace pardon me? Neither my place nor aught I heard of business hath raised me from my bed, nor doth the general care take hold on me. For my particular grief is of so floodgate and o'erbearing nature that it engluts and swallows other sorrows, and it is still itself. Why, what's the matter? My daughter. Oh, my daughter. Dead? Aye, to me. She's abused, stolen from me, and corrupted by spells and medicines bought of Montebanks. For nature so preposterously to err, being not deficient, blind, or lame of said son's witchcraft, could not. Where he be that in this foul proceeding hath thus beguiled your daughter of herself and you of her? The bloody book of law you shall yourself read in the bitter letter after your own sense. Yea, though our proper son stood in your action. Humbly I thank your grace. Here. This Moor, whom now it seems your special mandate for the state affairs hath brought. We are very sorry for it. What, in your own part, can you say to this? Nothing, but this is so. Most potent, grave and reverend signors, my very noble and approved good masters, that I have taken away this old man's daughter, it is most true. True, I have married her. The very head and front of my offending hath this extent, no more. Rude am I in my speech, and little blessed with the soft phrase of peace. For since these arms of mine had seven years pith, till now some nine moons wasted, they have used their dearest action in the tented field. And little of this great world can I speak, more than pertains to feats of broil and battle, and therefore little shall I grace my cause in speaking for myself. Yet by your gracious patience, I will a round unvarnished tale deliver of my whole course of love. What drugs, what charms, what conjuration, and what mighty magic. For such proceeding I am charged with all. I won his daughter. A maiden never bold, of spirit so still and quiet that her motion blushed at herself, and she, in spite of nature, of years, of country, credit, everything, to fall in love with what she feared to look on. It is a judgment maimed and most imperfect that would confess perfection so could err against all rules of nature and must be driven to find out practices of cunning hell why this should be. I therefore vouch again with some mixtures powerful o'er the blood or with some dram conjured to this effect she wrought upon her. To vouch this is no proof without more wider and more overt test than these Thin habits and poor likelihoods of modern seeming do prefer against her. But Othello, speak. Did you 
By indirect and forced courses, subdue and poison this young maid's affections? Or came it by request, and such fair question as soul to soul affordeth? I do beseech you, send for the lady to the Sagittary, and let her speak of me before her father. If you do find me foul in her report, the trust, the office I do hold of you, not only take away, but let your sentence even fall upon my life. Fetch Desdemona hither. Ancient, conduct them. You best know the place. And till she come, as truly as to heaven I do confess the vices of my blood, so justly to your grave ears I'll present how I did thrive in this fair lady's love, and she in mine. Say it, Othello. Her father loved me, oft invited me, still questioned me the story of my life. From year to year, the battles, sieges, fortunes that I have passed. I ran it through, even from my childish days, to the very moment that he bade me tell it, wherein I spake of most disastrous chances, of moving accidents by flood and field, of hairbreadth scapes in the imminent deadly breach, of being taken by the insolent foe and sold to slavery, of my redemption thence and importance in my travel's history, wherein of entrees vast and deserts idle, rough quarries, rocks, and hills whose heads touch heaven, it was my hint to speak. Such was the process, and of the cannibals that each other eat, the anthropophagy, and men whose heads do grow beneath their shoulders. This to hear would Desdemona seriously incline, but still the house affairs would draw her thence. Whichever as she could with haste dispatch, she'll come again, and with a greedy ear devour up my discourse, which I observing took once a pliant hour, and found good means to draw from her a prayer of earnest heart that I would all my pilgrimage dilate. Whereof by parcels she had something heard, but not intentively, I did consent, and often did beguile her of her tears, when I did speak of some distressful stroke that my youth suffered. My story being done, she gave me for my pains a world of sighs. She swore, in faith, t'was strange, t'was passing strange, t'was pitiful, t'was wondrous pitiful. She wished she had not heard it, yet she wished that heaven had made her such a man. She thanked me and bade me if I had a friend that loved her, I should but teach him how to tell my story, and that would woo her. Upon this hint I spake, she loved me for the dangers I had passed, and I loved her that she did pity them. This only is the witchcraft I have used. Here comes the lady. Let her witness it. I think this tale would win my daughter, too. Good Brabancho, take up this mangled matter at the best. Men do their broken weapons rather use than their bare hands. I pray you, hear her speak. If she confess that she was half the wooer, destruction on my head if my bad blame life of the man. Come hither, gentle mistress. Do you perceive in all this noble company where most you owe obedience? My noble father... I do perceive here a divided duty. To you I am bound for life and education. My life and education both do learn me how to respect you. You are the lord of duty. I am hither to your daughter. But here's my spouse. 
and so much duty as my mother showed to you. Preferring you before her father, so much I challenge that I may profess due to the more, my lord. God be with you. I have done. Please, your grace, under the state affairs, I had rather to adopt a child than get it. Come hither, Moor. I here do give thee that with all my heart, which, what thou hast already with all my heart, I would keep from thee. For your sake, Jewel, I am glad at soul I have no other child. For thy escape would teach me tyranny to hang clogs on them. I have done, my lord. Let me speak like yourself, and lay a sentence, which, as a grease or step, may help these lovers into your favor. When remedies are past, the griefs are ended by seeing the worst, which late on hopes depended. To mourn a mischief, that is past and gone, is the next way to draw new mischief on. What cannot be preserved when fortune takes, patience or injury a mockery makes. The robbed that smiles steals something from the thief. He robs himself that spends a bootless grief. So let the Turk of Cyprus us beguile. We lose it not so long as we can smile. He bears the sentence well that nothing bears but the free comfort which from thence he hears but he bears both the sentence and the sorrow that to pay grief must a poor patience borrow. These sentences to sugar or to gall being strong on both sides are equivocal. The words are words. I never yet did hear that the bruised heart was pierced through the ear. I humbly beseech you, proceed to the affairs of state. The Turk, with a most mighty preparation, makes for Cyprus. Othello, the fortitude of the place is best known to you. And though we have there a substitute of most allowed sufficiency, yet opinion, a sovereign mistress of effects, throws a more safer voice on you. You must therefore be content to slubber the gloss of your new fortunes with this more stubborn and boisterous expedition. The tyrant custom of most grave senators hath made the flinty and steel couch of war my thrice-driven bed of down. I do agonize a natural and prompt alacrity I find in hardness, and do undertake these present wars against the Ottomites. Most humbly, therefore, bending to your state, I crave fit disposition for my wife. Do reference of place and exhibition with such accommodation and be sought as levels with her breeding. If you please, be it at her father's. I'll not have it so. Nor I. Nor I. I would not there reside to put my father in impatient thoughts by being in his eye. O most gracious Duke, to my unfolding lend your prosperous ear, and let me find a charter in your voice to assist my simpleness. What would you, Desdemona? That I did love the more to live with him. My downright violence and storm of fortunes may trumpet to the world. My heart subdued even to the very quality of my love. I saw Othello's visage in his mind, and to his honor and his valiant parts did I my soul and fortunes consecrate, so that, dear lords, if I be left behind a moth of peace, and he go to the war, the rights for which I love him are bereft me, and I a heavy interim shall support by his dear absence. Let me go with him. Let her have your voices. Vouch with me, heaven. I therefore beg it not to please the palate of my appetite, nor to comply with heat, 
beyond our facts and me defunct and proper satisfaction. But to be free and bounteous to her mind, and heaven defend your good souls that you think I will your serious and great business scant while she is with me? No, when light-winged toys of feathered Cupid's seal with wanton dullness my speculative and office instruments, that my disports corrupt and taste my business, let housewives make a skillet of my helm, and all in dine and base adversities make head against my estimation. Be it as you shall privately determine, either for her stay or going. The affair cries haste, and speed must answer it. You must away tonight. With all my heart. At nine in the morning, here we'll meet again. Othello, leave some officer behind, and he shall our commission bring to you with such things else of quality and respect as doth import you. So please your grace, my ancient, a man he is of honest and trust. To his conveyance I sign my wife, with what else needful your good grace shall think to be sent after me. Let it be so. Good night to everyone. Adieu, brave Moor. Look to her, Moor, if thou hast eyes to see. She has deceived her father, and may be. My life upon her faith. Honest Diago, my Desdemona, must I leave with thee? I prithee, let thy wife attend on her, and bring them after in the best advantage. Come, Desdemona, I have but an hour of love, of worldly matters and direction, to spend with thee. We must obey the time. Iago, what sayest thou, noble heart? What will I do, thinkest thou? Why, uh, go to bed and sleep? I will incontinently drown myself. If thou dost, I shall never love thee after. <laughs> what thou silly gentleman! It is silliness to live when... To live is torment. And then have we a prescription to die when death is our physician? Oh, villainous! I have looked upon the world for four times seven years. And since I could distinguish betwixt a benefit and an injury, I never found man that knew how to love himself. Ere I would say I would drown myself for the love of a guinea hen, I would change my humanity for a baboon. What should I do? I confess it is my shame to be so fond. But it is not in my virtue to amend it. Virtue? <laughs> a fig! Tis in ourselves that we are thus or thus. Our bodies are our gardens, to the which our wills are gardeners. So that if we will plant nettles, or sow lettuce, set hyssop, and weed up thyme, supply it with one gender of herbs, or distract it with many either to have it sterile with idleness or manured with industry, why, the power and corrigible authority of this lies in our wills. If the balance of our lives have not one scale of reason to poise another of sensuality, the blood and baseness of our natures would conduct us to most preposterous conclusions. But we have reason to cool our raging motions, our, our carnal stings, our unbeaten lusts. Whereof I take this that you call love to be a, a sect or scion. It cannot be. Uh, it is merely a lust of the blood and a permission of the will. Ah, be a man. Drown thyself. <laughs> Drown cats and blind puppies. I have professed me thy friend and I confess me knit to thy deserving with cables of perdurable toughness. 
I could never better stay thee than now. Put money in thy purse. Follow thou the wars. Defeat thy favor with a usurped beer. I, I say, put money in thy purse. It cannot be that Desdemona should long continue her love to the moor. Put money in thy purse. Nor he his to her. It was a, a violent commencement. And thou shalt see an answerable sequestration. Put but money in thy purse. These moors are changeable in their wills. Fill thy purse with money. The food that to him now is as luscious as locusts shall be to him shortly as bitter as Colon Quintida. She must change for youth. When she is sated with his body, she will find the error of her choice. She must have change. She must. Therefore, put money in thy purse. If thou wilt needs damn thyself, do it a more delicate way than drowning, huh? Make all the money thou canst. If sanctimony and a frail vow betwixt an erring barbarian, a super-subtle Venetian, not too hard for my wits and all the tribe of hell, thou shalt enjoy her. Therefore make money. A pox of drowning thyself in this clean out of the way. Seek thou rather to be hanged in compassing thy joy than to be drowned and go without her. Wilt thou be fast to my hopes? If I depend on this issue? Thou art sure of me. Go, make money. I have told thee often, and I retell thee again and again, I hate the moor. My cause is hearted. Thine hath no less reason. Let us be conjunctive in our revenge against him. If thou canst cuckold him, thou dost thyself a pleasure, me a sport. There are many events in the womb of time which will be delivered. Traverse, go, provide thy money. I will have more of this tomorrow. Adieu. Where shall we meet in the morning? At my lodging. I will be with thee betimes. Go to go. Farewell. Do you hear, Rodrigo? What to say you? No more of drowning. Do you hear? I am a changed. I will go sell all my land. Thus do I ever make my fool my purse. For I mine own gained knowledge should profane if I were time expend with such a snipe. But for my sport and profit. I hate the more. And it is thought abroad that twixt my sheets he has done my office. I don't know if it be true. But I for mere suspicion in that kind will do as if for surety. He holds me well. The better shall my purpose work on him. Cassio's a proper man. Let me see now. To get his place, and to plume up my will, in double knavery, how, how? Let's see. After some time, to abuse Othello's ear that he is too familiar with his wife. He had a, a person and a smooth dispose to be suspected, framed to make women false. The more is of a, a free and open nature that thinks men honest but seem to be so. 
and will be tenderly led by the nose as asses are. A heft. <laughs> it is engendered. Hell and night must bring this monstrous birth to the world's light. The Pendant Shakespeare, also known as The Wild Bill Variety Show. Othello, Act 1. Featuring the voice talents of Jameson R. Wallace as Iago, Russell Gold as Brabantio, Paul Brueggemann as Rodrigo, Hannah John Condal as the Duke of Venice, Vincent Morrison as Othello, John Clark as Lodovico, Dave Morgan as Cassio, Karen Hamer as Desdemona, Katie Keating as Graziano, David Alt as Montano, and Chris Morgan as The Messenger. Written by William Shakespeare. Adopted for audio by Colin Kelly and Catherine Pride. Script analysis and dramaturgy by Catherine Pride. Directed by Colin Kelly. Assistant director Landon Bell. Music composed by Elaine Pockins of Aylan.org. A-Y-L-A-H-N dot O-R-G. Shakespeare theme by Pavel Zook of pavelzook.com. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2013 Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. News, friends! Our walls are done! Next time on The Pendant Shakespeare. Behold, the riches of the ship has come on shore. Ye men of Cyprus, let her have your knees. Hail to thee, lady, by the grace of heaven before, behind thee, and on every hand, and wheel thee round. I thank you, valiant Cassio. Do thou meet me presently at the harbor. Come hither. Help. 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 Rascal. What's the matter, Lieutenant? The knave teach me my duty. I'll beat the knave into a twig and bottle. Beat me? Dost thou prate, rogue? Tensions rise when Othello Act 2 premieres on December 4th, 2013. Who's that who drinks the bell? The rise. God's will, Lieutenant, hold! You will be shamed forever! Only at PendantAudio.com.